Welcome to the Michigan Bowhunters Podcast, the voice of Michigan's hunting archer. Now here's your host, Bill Hoffman. And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Michigan Bowhunters Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Hoffman, and today we are in the MBH Podcasting Studios with the one, the only, Mr. President in person, Bob Jones. How's it going, my friend? Very good, Bill. Thanks. Other than the weather could be a little bit warmer. It could, but we were just giggling that we have a a nice uh, 45-pound furry uh, foot warmer down here underneath the desk. <laughs> People don't realize when they come to the studios that, you know, they get a... Love of the uh, the MBH Aussie Doodle. Well, just to keep the record straight, Bill has a nice 45-pound <laughs> foot warmer. I'm not playing footsies with Bill under the desk here. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we were talking about the dog, of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, if we think of MBH, so she'll, she'll be the official MBH Aussie Doodle. Then Tanya will have, like, the official MBH bird dogs. And um, and then Suze, Susan has the little dog, right? Buzz. Buzz, yeah. So... We like dogs here at MBH. But thanks for coming over to my house. Thanks for uh, taking time off of your uh, Monday morning here to get this podcast out. And what's going on with you, sir? Not a whole lot. Been pretty busy on on behalf of MBH. Myself and Vice President Lance have been uh, busy going to the NRC meetings. Uh, the whole banquet committee's been pretty busy on getting the banquet going, making prizes, buying prizes, getting set up for our. 2024 events yeah and actually we have a lot going on we have a lot to talk about today you just mentioned the banquet so uh bob and i kind of sat down and we were thinking about okay we're gonna talk about this and we'll talk about this i'm not gonna like cut this up into segments i think i think this would be a fireside chat type thing where we just we just go where the wind takes us but we are we are going to have a brand new segment here on the MBH podcast that's going to give those of you listening, whether you're a member or not a member, a cool chance to win something. And I'm going to put Bob to the test with that. So we'll see how we do with that. But um, So stay tuned for that. A little bit of foreshadowing there. But you mentioned the banquet. Let's talk about that. So we're, we're here. It's the middle of January. Banquet is the beginning of April. Um, what's going on with the banquet? Well, it's going to be at... Uh... Genesis Banquet and Conference Center, like it's like it has been the last couple Which of years. Which is uh, Grand Blank, Michigan. Grand Blank, Michigan, yes. And uh, um, a lot of great prizes already already purchased. You know, and that's a great great opportunity for us. It's not it's not just a typical banquet like if you go to a Ducks Unlimited banquet or anything. We all actually just kind of celebrate. It's an awards banquet as well. Mm-hmm. We celebrate on our harvest and success, and you know, a lot of good deer hunting stories told at the tables, and and that um, we have some. Uh, awards that go out that uh, very much uh, appreciative bow hunter of the year lady right. of the year Eccleston award hall of fame awards um, you know and that's all a celebration of what we do as conservationists and bow hunters through michigan bow hunters absolutely and it's just really good the meal's always pretty good and it's really good fellowship you know it, with MBH, we see our friends and our, our MBH friends. We see them at, at the shoots and at the events and stuff. But um, a lot of times, it, the the banquet is that that first. Hey, how'd your hunt go this year? How'd you know? How'd your you know? Would you get last year? Just just those those type of of talks. There, of course, there's the, the awards and the membership meeting, in you know raffles and fun stuff and fundraisers and all that type of stuff. But I like it just for the the handshakes and the hugs. Right. 
Right. You know, um, a little bit about my story with MBH is that, you know, I was a member for for years and years and years back in just after high school and college and stuff like that. But I, I never really felt the the kinship or the brotherhood. It was just something I believed in until I started going to the banquet. And when I started going to the banquet and I started, you know, you know, hand meeting these people and talking with them and, oh, you know, swapping stories about, you know, guys that have passed. Like, you know, at, at the time it was, uh, it would be Joe Vincent, you know, and swapping stories about Joe or, you know, talking with the Burgess brothers or, you know, now that Ken's gone, you know, sharing stories about him. And I just, you know, this is the, uh, this is a, a cool opportunity to come to our banquet and get to meet some of these people that I don't want to say I idolize, but that I've looked up to for all the years. So, yeah. You know, you hit the nail right on the head because I've, I've, I've promoted for a long time that to really experience what MBH has to offer. I mean, other than the voice that we give you and, and Lansing and trying to steer legislation, hang on to the bow hunting opportunities we have, is you really have to come out to the event, whether it be the banquet, the rendezvous, the spring shoot, mm-hmm. the rabbit hunt, the pheasant hunt, the carp shoot. Um, and that's where you really see what MBH is all about. And you really see that it's a great group of individuals that make up the organization and that put a, put a lot of time and effort right. into to, to creating good opportunities for our members. And it's really fun to watch the kids. I always like watching the kids at the banquet because they get so into the raffles. And, of course, we give away the kids' awards and stuff like that. And, and then to see these kids grow, like, you know, to see, like, um, like Al Baggett's son. It, you know, I remember him being tiny and just grow, 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 grow. And now he's you know stinking teenager. You know, and, and just to watch these, these people. I mean, if you think about it, my, my first – I was probably 20 years old, and I'm 43 now, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, that time goes by so fast. I can remember, you know, my daughter used to be very active with me, shooting, going to the banquet, going mm-hmm. to the rendezvous, camping out, hanging out. And um, now she's got a life of her own, and she still participates, but it's not the same. Right. You know, that, that that window that we have with our kids is really small. You know? well, yeah, it was, so. it was funny. It just, again, we're going where the wind takes us with this. <clears throat> At the... Uh, at the rendezvous this year, I was talking to this gentleman and, uh, you know, older than me, I wouldn't call him an old guy, but older than me, you know, been around a few years, lots of hunting stuff. And, uh, and, uh, I said, so how did, how are you familiar with MBH? And again, this is a guy who like, you know, I probably think he's been around for years and years and years and years. He goes, Oh, he goes, I'm Jerry Keck's son-in-law. <laughs> and I said, wait, <laughs> you and Jerry, that just shows you how deep, the the family ties go and how getting your family involved is i'm talking to this older gentleman that's related to the old gentleman right (laughs) you know just it was just kind of neat just to to see stuff like that so if you are interested in coming to our banquet of course the tickets are right available on our website you go to michiganbowhunters.com and up there across the top scroll there is uh you know categories you click on events banquet right there you can buy your tickets right online so uh moving on from that um while we're talking about the website something else that we uh added to our website now this is a little bit of a members only talk of course um but if you're not a member a paid member of michigan bow hunters association yet go to the website click mba click join super easy to sign up and then you'll get access to this next thing we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the dnr's deer initiative um i'm going to kind of let you take away what the deer initiative is and then i'll kind of explain what we did to talk to our members about it 
Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So what the DEER initiative is, the DNR, our wildlife biologist, Chad Stewart, put this uh, forward. They're getting a group of all the stakeholders involved to help what call is, some are calling a DEER crisis in the, in the state of Michigan. They're dividing us into two different groups. One group's going to tackle the challenges up in the Upper Peninsula, which are completely different than what we have down here. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be a group for the Lower Peninsula. And okay. And I think that that should have been split up into two different groups I in the lower. I think we agree. Because the northern half of the lower doesn't have the same challenges as the south. Someone hunting in Jackson is way different than someone hunting in Alpena. Correct. And the idea is to have some outside-the-box thinking and solutions on in the lower peninsula. We'll talk about that first. How to uh, fix this challenge of too many deer on the landscape in areas of the state and that'd be primarily the southern southern portion of mm -hmm. the state not not the northern half right. of the lower um you know and the biggest challenge that we face in my opinion and i brought this to the nrc's opinion that all the regulation changes and all the liberal tags available won't solve the issue um unless we can figure out the access issue if you take and lay a um map down of all the high deer density areas in that southern belt, they all fall on private property. And we simply can't harvest deer that we don't have access to. And I'm pushing their, their number one thing that I believe that they should be doing is getting the non-hunting public and even the anti-hunting public um, involved in understanding and educating them on the, the necessity for a healthy herd that some of this harvest has to take place. And the insurance companies could get involved by incentivizing landowners to um, allow access to their to their property to, mm -hmm. to hunt. A lot of big challenges there. Um, there's different groups are pushing different ideas. I, I can't say that I'm necessarily in favor of any of them. Um, the antler point restriction debate has been going on for 35 years. Right. Unfortunately, right now, I think that the NDA who is the leading advocate right now for the antler point restrictions is kind of using this crisis as a way to say, Hey, antler point restrictions will fix that. Antler point restrictions in the Hillsdale Jackson lower portion of the state will not have the same effect as what antler point restrictions in the Northern half of the, the state had, you know, they're touting that the Northwest 13 had a much better, buck to doe ratio of, of killing. But I think what drives a lot of that, or I should say harvest, what drives a lot of that, I think, is just a total number of deer on the landscape. Because the northeast portion of the state also had very, very good numbers for buck to doe ratio and, and harvest. You know, they've talked about one of the ideas being pushed forward is a one buck limit. Um, while the number's growing, it used to be only around 3% of the people shot harvested two bucks. That number's growing, and I believe it's up around 13% now. Oh, wow. So, so really, even if you went to a one-buck system, you're only, you're only taking 13% of the, of the hunters that, that may take a, a buck and a doe then instead of um, two bucks. So it's not going to have a significant impact on the, on the doe harvest. Um, so with this DNR deer initiative, is the overall goal of these talks and getting all these, um, you said uh, holders, what was the word? Stakeholders. Stakeholders. Of getting all these stakeholders involved, <laughs> is, the, is the initiative of this, of this um, deer incentive 
to lower deer population In versus, the- sorry, real quick, versus getting bigger bucks, you know, making hunting, quote unquote, I'm doing my fingers better. Correct. And that, and that's, and that's why I think it's really important that when these stakeholders get together, that we focus on what the problem is, not individual hunter wants or needs. Um, if the if the a, APRs work, is what I'm told by by guys. And when I when I ask them what they mean by APRs work, they say, "Well, boy, I hunt in the Northwest 13, or I I hunt in areas APRs, and I see way more bigger bucks than I used to." Well, if that's your goal, APRs work. But if your goal is to, to harvest more does and reduce the deer herd, APRs aren't necessarily the answer for okay, that. Okay, I see what you're saying on that. Okay. So it's kind of, this deer initiative is a little tough because it's kind of science versus feelings. Right. You know, and a lot of people are all up in their feelings when it comes to deer hunting. You know, it's like any, you know, does, you want to argue about something? Michigan deer hunting, who plays goalie for the Red Wings? And okay, right now we're happy with our quarterback for the Lions. But generally it's whoever the quarterback right. is for the Lions, right? So... Um, yeah, so there's a lot of feelings versus a lot of science. Um, so it's interesting. So I would, I would assume then in the upper peninsula, the deer initiative is not about killing more does. No, not at all. The, the problem in the upper peninsula, the harvest rate in the upper peninsula, I believe this percent's right, was down 23% this year. Okay. And the reports were across the, the entire upper peninsula that the deer just aren't there. And they have a number of challenges to face between the, the predators, the wolves, the, the coyotes, the, the bears. fawn mortality yeah. rate from bears, uh, the bad winters. Um, less crops. I mean, it's less, just a hard crop. food. Habitat yeah. is a huge issue in the Upper Peninsula mm-hmm. driving that. And, um, you know, for years they've been doing very liberal cutting up there with very little replanting of, of what the deer need for their winter yarding areas. And so those challenges are completely different in the upper than they are in the lower. Okay. So what we've done, so do you think, okay, before I go on to what we've done uh, as far as MBH, um, do you think the DNR is going to make a wide scale change? I think there's going to be some changes whether we like them or not. Okay. I think some of them could be negative for the, for the bow hunters, you know, and it's interesting uh, when we get back, well, I want to back up for just a second. Yeah. I want to make sure that our that our listeners understand MBH is actually neutral. We don't have a policy in favor of APRs or against APRs. What we do favor is is sound scientific management. So I think it's important that whatever regulation changes are made aren't based on opinion polls and surveys and and whatnot. That they're based on scientific facts on what's going to work, what's going mm-hmm. to solve the problem, not just adhering to maybe what 50% of the group wants and 50% well, don't. Again, because science the, versus feelings. Right. Yeah. The the APR issue, um, the last time MBH did a survey on it in 2018, was right about 50-50. We have members that support APRs. We have members that don't. Uh, it's a it's probably the most divisive topic amongst all hunters across all segments of the deer hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, some are in favor, some aren't. And so speaking of these feelings in, in MBH being, you know, 50-50 and stuff, we wanted to know if that was still how our organization felt. And back then when we did that survey, and I wrote the survey, I remember it quite well, I remember we kind of only focused on APRs. Right. You know, we didn't we didn't talk about some of the other options that are, are being talked about, right? Uh, one buck rule, earn a buck, you know, changing the early seasons, um, liberal gun seasons, all that type of stuff. So what we did as um, 
a board of governors. Now I'm not saying I'm not on the board of governors, but what we did as a MBH leadership group or whatever you want to say, um, we put out another survey and we sent this out in, um, we sent this out via email, right? And it is uh, private to MBH members. So if you're listening to this and you're not a member, we still, as Michigan bow hunters, you know, we care what you think, but we have to, we are trying to gauge the, um, the thoughts and feelings of our actual membership. So, um, you know, if you're an MBH member and you don't know what we're talking about, you need to check your email because <laughs> I sent it to you and I sent it to you twice. <laughs> so it's also going to be in the magazine for those that don't have, right. uh, electronic capabilities or just don't use email, but it's just some interesting, um, statistics bill that i think that the listeners would be interested in hearing in some of the information that came forward last week at the nrc meeting was uh deer harvest of neighboring states mm-hmm. and okay. what their what their ratios were well uh of our our five neighboring states you take wisconsin indiana illinois ohio and pennsylvania um all of those states have a better buck to doe ratio harvest than than Michigan does. Um, they harvest more does than they, they harvest pretty much at a one to one ratio. And only one of those states, I think, has more hunters. Right, and only one of those states has APRs, and that's Pennsylvania. Right, Wisconsin still leads the nation in the Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett record book bucks, and they have zero APRs. But I will tell you what they have in common. Every one of those states has significantly less firearm season than what Michigan has. And I think some of the outside of the box thinking needs to look at at that type of data. What's the what's this data telling us? I tend to believe that a lot of hunters, because of our very liberal and long gun season, um, they put off shooting a doe till later. I got lots of time, I got lots of time, I got lots of time, and, and they, they run out of time. The mm-hmm. deer movements changes, patterns changes, weather changes, they don't get out. But when you only have a six-day gun season like Ohio does and then followed up by three more additional days, guys are a lot more likely to harvest a doe hammer, earlier. Hammer a doe when they see Earlier. It. And I think that all of those outside-of-the-box things need to be looked at on, on bringing that ratio in Michigan back together. And something else that I pointed out to the NRC, because the ratio that they're giving us on a, on a statewide, across-the-board uh, um, harvest ratio, in the Upper Peninsula, you can't even shoot a doe. So one-third of our total land mass, we can't even harvest a doe. So how can you compare the whole state? Right. I want to see what the numbers look like of our, our harvest just in the lower portion of the state. Because um, I don't think our ratio is as far out of balance as what what is what it appears yeah, upper, when you take that into upper, consideration yeah. that ma- that makes sense and guys shoot those <laughs> I mean, we've, we've talked about this so many times on this show start shooting does people it's fun to harvest does and you know any especially as a bow hunter you know and, and especially if you're still shooting a handheld hand-drawn drawn bow oh you I mean, mean and, and, oh you and, mean and, archery right archery hunting <laughs> um it's it's uh it's fun you know, right. it, it's just, it's just, it's just a lot of, a lot of fun. An interesting note too, going back at that, that I brought to the NRC's attention. We have data that goes back to 2003. And if you go back that far, the archers during that time, the, the bow hunters, pre-crossbow, our numbers were pretty steady. We shot about 50% of our harvest was bucks and about 50% of our harvest was does. 
and we were right around 23 to 25% of the total harvest was, was shot by bow right. hunters. Since the inclusion of the crossbow, the antlered harvest has gone up to 37% of the total. Um, when they were pushing for the crossbow, they weren't, they weren't pushing for it so that they could hunt does. They wanted to extend their range and, and shoot bucks, and I think that needs to be looked at. And what I, I think needs to happen, and some other states are taking a look at this as well, is separating the crossbow art from arch, out of archery season and giving it its own season, which is shorter. Much of the state can't take the, the impact, the harvest impact that the crossbow has. Yeah. Um, but, but I got to also play devil's advocate with you here. And if the goal of the deer initiative is to kill more deer... Are they going to take away time from a more a, a weapon that's more lethal? You know, so I understand it. It's like, you know, you got that pendulum swinging, and it's like, do we want less deer? Do we want different hunting? <sighs> I would tough. never advocate for taking away opportunity from any segment of our of our hunting okay. um, population, but I do think we have to take a look at at our, at our neighboring states that they do have significantly less time in the field what's driving that imbalance in our in our harvest ratios from state to state you know um is it is it can can less be more yeah and is it a is it you know a difference in culture does you know wisconsin's a multi multi book state right but i think it's only one with a bow and one with a gun if i remember correctly i'm not sure it's a little different but ohio's one buck state uh indiana's one buck state uh, Pennsylvania, I'm not sure. I've hunted Pennsylvania, but I've never seen antlers in Pennsylvania. So. <laughs> in fact, the last time I, I hunted Pennsylvania, I was covered in elk. It was annoying. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I just wonder if, if it's a culture change, if it's a law change. So th- that's what's good about doing this DNR initiative, right? They're, they're not they are asking what our feelings are and then hopefully they follow the science and match that up with the feelings. And those two find like a, a Venn diagram where everyone, not everyone's happy. No one's ever get, not, right. You know, no one's ever going to, but we're, we're, we're the science and the feelings meet a cross point. I think we have, we can, we can start to have some common sense legislation having a long ass gun season just because we always have is feelings. It's not science. You know, you can still keep it. And having it during the rut. Ohio's isn't during the rut, you know. Um, I'm fine with, me personally speaking, again, I don't speak for MBH. I'm fine with the their tradition and, and whatever of keeping it on November 15th. If that's what the gun guys want, fine. I think it makes more sense to make it like the second Saturday in November so that more people could, you know, have the weekend to hunt it. But, you know, when gun season starts on a Tuesday, I think it's just, Chad Stewart last year when he gave his uh, deer report, okay, um, there was was a statistical tie across the board. Uh, No matter what day, opening day fell on, whether it was a a weekend or a weekday, that the harvest was still the same. So Um, guys are taking it off either way. Michigan deer hunters are pretty passionate about opening day, and the the bulk of the deer, bucks and does, are are shot in the first couple days of the season. In fact, they shoot more deer. I think it's in the first three days, and in the remaining 
uh, like 12 days or something like that. Are, are all Which makes sense because, you know, guys um, get their deer and leave camp or, or, or whatever. But I would I would disagree, Bill, on mm-hmm. the second Saturday opener. If they were, I'm personally, I, just, I just threw I'm, that out I'm, there. I'm personally a, not in favor of, of opening it on the, or changing it off the 15th. But I, if they were going to change it, the only way that I would uh, personally look at it bumping the date would be to move it back to the third Saturday. Okay. Um, if you go to the second Saturday, there's there's times that we as bow hunters would lose a couple of days of the rut hunting. Oh, I see what you're saying. By, yep. by moving it back to the third Saturday, it bumps it off of the rut, the, the peak of the rut a little bit, mm-hmm. and it actually doesn't take away opportunity from bow hunters. Yes, yeah, I've already changed my mind, so this is something I'm not serious. <laughs> yeah, I just need, again, it, was so, it makes complete sense. I know I know Pennsylvania's gun season opens the Saturday after um, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So, um, because we used to always, you know, my buddy has a hunting camp in Pennsylvania. When we hunted in Pennsylvania all those years, you'd have Thanksgiving with your family. Black Friday, we would drive to camp. Saturday, we were hunting. So, uh, and then, and then in that area of Pennsylvania, you would hunt Saturday. Oh, phone's ringing. That's okay. You can answer it if you need to. Is it Chad Stewart? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back to it. Sorry about that, Bill. No worries. You can tell I'm an unprofessional uh, podcaster, and I didn't silence my phone. But what I was saying was, um, uh, okay, so you would hunt that, you know, I think I'm messing it up because they don't have Sunday hunting in Pennsylvania. I think it was the Monday after Thanksgiving. It was. We would have all, it was because we were young back then and we would party the entire weekend and then sober up on Sunday and then, <laughs> then hunt the week. That's, that's what it was. Cause a lot of guys would come into, come into camp for just the, uh, just the festivities over the weekend and everything. So anyway, um, but now my phone's going off. <laughs> d- d- just a couple more things on that. A, a couple of the other things I think the state really needs to look at us paying, um, $1,500 for sharpshooters to, to harvest deer on public ground. Oh, you know, man. if you take um, the metro parks, some of the, the township parks and stuff, those are all public ground, and they're open to everyone, every other user group in the state except for hunters. Right. And that's public land. That's ours just as much as it is the bird watchers, the hikers, the bikers, the joggers, the, the fishermen. Um, if we truly need to... Um, harvest some of these deer in these areas, open that up at least to bow hunting. And many of them could be open up to gun hunting too. I just seen down in Ohio, I want to say it was Hamlin, Ohio or Hamilton, Ohio. They opened up a park down there um, because of the deer numbers and they got hunters in there. There's mm-hmm. some hoops you have to jump through. Um, seating, where you where you sit, what way you're facing are all very important, but they close off some segments of the park to, to do that. And there's also some various township ordinances and stuff throughout the state that are still in place that are really unfair to to private landowners. I personally know someone that lives in Macomb County. They have 23 acres of ground that's smothered in deer. They can't legally hunt it because their township is closed to hunting. They need to correct that, especially especially Macomb County is one of the counties where we have one of the real high deer densities that that needs to. That's why we have the extended... um, That's why you can be hunting them right now. Right. So we need to educate our townships and stuff on the necessity 
for for getting rid of those hunting bans in their um, communities and opening it up. Obviously, we're safe. Obviously, mm-hmm. the if it, if it's open to gun season, that 450 foot rule and permission from your neighbors, all those things have to take place. But don't tell a person that they can't harvest deer in those areas right. when they when they need to be harvested. Yeah, and so has have we as an organization actually um, lobbied any of the metro parks or any of these township parks or any of these municipalities? Have we you know picked one out to target and gone after because I think if we did and we put, you know, not all our eggs in one basket or ducks in a row or stuff, but, you know, we can just pick Kensington. Like, we can bitch and gripe about no hunting in Kensington, but have we have we tried to actually go to these meetings to Kensington and actually make this happen? I don't know all the particulars on what's happened in the past. Um, uh, I, I wish I was a little bit better versed on it. I do know that even like Stony Creek Metro Park, okay, that at perfect. one time they had a hunt over there. Okay. And um, some of it turned into a little bit of a mess, I guess. I don't know all the all the details about a uh, something a, a deer that was shot okay. and maybe ran across the road or something um, in the in the public's eye. And so there there are there are some some challenges with that that we've got to yeah. be respectful, and Genesee, mindful. Of. Genesee County Parks had a program. Um, a few, you know, maybe 10 years ago. And it wasn't in all the county parks. Um, but, because there's some big bucks in Linden County Park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's not really a great place. Because the airport's right behind it. And you kill something, it's going to die in the airfield always. But anyway. Um, but I know, uh, you know, like, Stepping Stones Park. And even, like, the area around Crossroads Village and Bluebell Park. Like, the, so, county parks can have hunts. We just... We just have to make them realize that it's a more viable opportunity than, A, bringing in sharpshooters to kill deer on public land at night with rifles, or B, darting deer and doing surgeries to make them so that they can't have fawns and then half of them die from um, infection anyway, as that's what happened in Ann Arbor because I had my history of working down there and that's what they were doing. So, um, yeah, we need... You know, getting back to what you said, we can't kill deer that we don't have access to. Right. And so and these are the type of things that, you know, you as an MBH member have a voice in letting us know. And, you know, Bob is going to these NRC meetings. He's st- talking with Chad Stewart. And Chad Stewart, if you don't know, is the uh, Michigan DNR biologist for you do you know his actual title he he's the elk deer and moose specialist there we go yeah so it takes care of all the big cervids well deer or bear aren't a cervid but still um so and that's a guy we actually hope to have on the show you know and hopefully get him on the show but again uh we want to hear your voice if you're a member so um if you haven't already filled out the survey go to the website fill out that survey the um the link is in your email or it'll be in the mbh news we're not pulling the survey down um anytime soon so we but we still want you to get there and fill it out so um anything we didn't cover on this particular topic that you want to talk about well just one thing i, yeah. I want to mention i'm very passionate about this this topic and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very passionate that we that we get this correct um even if you're not a member of MBH, Bill, 
I would be more than happy to talk to anybody or get input from anybody on some outside-the-box thinking on solutions for this. You can put my phone number and my email address up there mm-hmm. um, on the podcast. I would be happy to hear from anybody um, on anything that might be good solutions that are going to help the problem. Yeah, and so you heard it right there from the president himself. And rather than you know um, do that, go to our website because all Bob's information is on the website. You can go right to the website, contact MBH, or you can go uh, on our governor's page and our um, board page. Everyone's email and phone number is listed, or right on the website, you can just do the contact MBH if you want to type it out uh, and click submit. It comes to me, and then I triage it and send it to whoever it needs to go to. And um, so, yeah, uh, very easy to get a hold of any one of us. Um, And then you know, you can look up what district you're in and you can contact your district governor for MBH. And if you want them involved in the conversation, we're all here for you, all of us. And I'm the only one that gets to give my opinion and not have it be MBH's opinion. That's what they pay me to do. <laughs> but everyone else speaks for MBH. So they can, uh, they can definitely point you in the right direction. And even if they disagree with you or I disagree with you, you remember, you're a hunter in Michigan, you're a brother or sister, your opinion matters to us. Um, even if you're out there with a crossbow, we still want to hear what your opinion is because better hunting for you makes better hunting for us. And that's just the, the, the way it is. So with that, we're going to wrap up this uh, segment. And uh, we're going to hear from a couple of our uh, Michigan Bowhunter sponsors. Bob and I are going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about what we're looking forward to as far as our bow hunting and outdoors resolutions for 2024. We'll be right back after this commercial break. This episode of the Michigan Bowhunters Association podcast is brought to you by Bear Sign. Bear Sign is a full-service black bear guide and outfitter in Ontario, Canada. Reach out to Bear Sign via their phone number, 807-826-3742. Again, give Bear Sign a call if you're interested in hunting black bear in Ontario, Canada, 807-826-3742. We'd like to thank Bear Sign for supporting Michigan Bowhunters for multiple years. They have donated a bear hunt to MBH, which we have auctioned off and raffled off at our annual banquets. Again, that's Bear Sign, 807-826-3742. This episode of the Michigan Bowhunters Association podcast is brought to you by Brooks Archery. You can find out more info about Brooks Archery at brooksarchery.com. Of course, we all are all familiar with Brooks Archery as they've been serving the Kalamazoo area for over 50 years. They believe that archery is more than a business, it's a lifestyle. And they're constantly looking for equipment that will give their customers the best quality and value. Brooks Archery offers the leading industry bows, accessories, and hunting equipment to help you be more successful. Check out brooksarchery.com. This 
this episode of the Michigan Bowhunters Association podcast is brought to you by the Great Northern Bowhunting Company. They design and build every bow with you in mind. And with respect for a long and noble hunter-gatherer lineage we are all connected to. They build hunting bows, and their bows are designed to make you the very best bow hunter you can be. For more information on the Great Northern Bow Hunting Company, check out their website, gnbco.com. That's the Great Northern Bow Company, gnbco.com. Here at the Michigan Bowhunters Association, we have quite a few businesses and organizations that have stepped up and helped us out over the years. The first I'd like to tell you about is the Lost Nation Archery, where traditional archery means personal service. Lost Nation Archery can be reached at 1-888-800-7880. Again, that's 1-888-800-7880. Thank you, Lost Nation Archery, for always supporting the Michigan Bowhunters Association. And we are back. We've took a empty our bladder coffee break. <laughs> <laughs> Let the dog out, all that good stuff. So uh, here we are. It's 2024. The popular thing to do in January every year is to make resolutions, right? And we're recording this. What's today, like January 15th? Yeah, it is January 15th. Uh, most people have given up on those resolutions by now. <laughs> but we're not going to do that here at the MBH podcast. Uh, I don't really necessarily have a gigantic list of resolutions. But how oh, I thought this would be fun to do with you, Bob, is let's think of some resolutions for uh, your... At least I have... This is what, the way I thought of it. I have resolutions for myself as an outdoorsman for 2024. I also have some resolutions for... Uh, the podcast, okay, uh, resolutions, goals, whatever you want to call it, right? So, um, you know, I just wanted to kick off this conversation, and I'll go first so that we can kind of frame this. So, uh, resolution for myself this year is I want to get back into traditional archery. I, over the last two years, have not picked up the longbow a ton or the recurve. Uh, I, I've I've done it, you know going out to Land O'Lakes Bowman, the archery club, you know, I always take my longbow, but it, you know, and, uh, I haven't shot a 3d course with my longbow in years. A lot of times when we're inside, you know, over the winter, I'll grab my longbow and shoot it for half an hour and go, yeah, that's what that feels like. And go back to the compound. It's not that I enjoy the compound anymore. In fact, I think I probably enjoy shooting the longbow more, but, uh, over the last couple of years, I've, I've only dedicated, hunting to my compound so you know as that time like july august rolls around is like oh i should probably be practicing with the weapon that i'm going to take a field and one of the reasons for that is because i've kind of over the last couple years been caught up in the i need to kill something because i'm the mbh guy 
and it's pretty hard to kill stuff with a longbow sometimes. <laughs> and I've kind of um, kind of put put too much pressure or emphasis on having a quote-unquote successful hunt or, or harvest or something like that. And I think that's the wrong way for me personally, my journey to look at it. So I'm not saying I'm necessarily going to hunt with the longbow this year, but what I am saying is I'm going to put in enough effort over this offseason with the longbow that come October I feel comfortable hunting with it. And so for me, that is um, kind of my resolution is to get the longbow back out. I have a, it's a, I call it the mistress. Um, because every time I shoot it, I feel like I'm cheating on my compound. <laughs> I, I, I know it's kind of funny to name bows and stuff like that. I kind of always got a kick out of that. Um, Tom Moran made my bow, uh, river raisin longbows. And it's, it's a, it's a made out of a, a wood called uh, future wood. And it's like an impregnated green dye. Mm-hmm. And he only, so there's two red ones and two green ones in existence. And I own one of the green ones. Uh, and the reason is because whatever they impregnated the wood or the composite or whatever, it made his skin break out really bad. So every time he worked on these bows, he like was like, itchy and scratchy and felt terrible for a couple days afterwards so it took a long time for him to complete complete these, these bows and it was almost like a hate project <laughs> for him and, and i got all this information from him actually at an mbh banquet and he was like oh you so he called it the green monster and i was like oh well i call it the mistress <laughs> but yeah so um getting back into traditional archery with the longbow specifically is um, my resolution, my personal resolution um, in regards to bow hunting for 2024. Anything um, for you uh, personally that you could think of? I will, but I want to comment on what you talked sure. about. I'm, I'm a few years older than you. I have a few more years of hunting than you. We both started young, and you sound just like I did when I was when I, when I made that transition because I hunted for, I don't know, three and a half decades or whatever mm-hmm. it was with the, with the compound. And uh, I always felt that pressure on myself to harvest something, right. you know. And when I, when I, as I got older and I started stepping back, it doesn't matter. I mean, we, we go out there wanting to harvest something, right? Mm-hmm. But just like now taking my, my bow out to Idaho chasing elk, I'm not going to starve to death if I don't, uh, right, if I don't harvest right. an elk. I'm not going to starve to death if I don't harvest a deer. Um, harvest, harvesting an animal is the, you know, the reward at the end, but... You can't spend time with your mistress in the woods and have a bad time. Good point. Uh, you know, I, I, I've taken my bow on lots of unsuccessful walks. Then, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, I enjoy the challenge of the, of the traditional bow, and I think that's what uh, gravitated me going back that way 15 mm-hmm. years ago. And I, we've had this conversation before. Right, it happened right. quite by accident. Well, we were both um, highly competitive compound shooters. Right. And it, <laughs> it uh, um, there's just something about the simplicity of the, of the traditional bow, whether it be a long bow or a recurve, um, that just makes it fun. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm one of those guys, the greater the challenge, the greater the reward, you know, and, that's somewhat ties back into my feelings on my personal feelings on APRs as well. I think if there was a hundred and fifty buck inch buck around every corner, the challenge of getting one wouldn't be as great to me. Right. It, you know, um, I don't think it'd be as fun. 
you know, the, the, the half the, half the journeys in that pursuit. Right. And, um, I don't but, know. I hunt Southern Ohio. It's pretty dang fun, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying it wouldn't be, wouldn't be fun to see and watch. And I mean, but I don't know, but as, as far as my own resolutions go, you know, I took this job as, as MBH president with some ideas and a, a big belief in the organization and why, and, and I truly believed that I could make a difference. Okay. And I guess my resolution is just to continue to um, be passionate about pushing MBH, advancing it, rebuilding the organization, uh, being involved, trying to engage in mem- trying to engage members to become active. Um, we have a lot of members that have never gone to a banquet, never gone to a shoot. We appreciate their support. We certainly do. But boy, we'd love to meet you in person. Right. Um, I mean, I can look down the membership list, and obviously many, many, many of them I know, but there's names I've never met, and I'd like to put you able to put a, a face to that name. And uh, Well, that's going to be hard with 600-plus people, but but still, I understand what you're saying. So my, my goal for the year is to continue to try to build membership in MBH and and not just get members, but get active members. And like we said earlier in the, in the podcast, to, to really see what is going on and what MBH is all about, you got to come out and meet us. Yeah. Um, we're... Uh, a group that's uh, like-minded individuals, uh, very passionate about the archery and bow hunting. And um, so that's my resolution on, on the MBH side. I mean, of course, I got resolutions on a personal side, too, just to be a better human being tomorrow than I was today. There you go. You know, I have um, another you know, just hopping back in, I have another resol- a personal resolution is uh, neither of my kid have killed a deer and it's time. <laughs> and whether that's a bow hunt, uh, they're both pretty darn good with their bows. Uh, whether that's a bow hunt or a gun hunt or what a youth hunt, whatever it is. Uh, I definitely would like to get, have my kids both get their first deer. They, my kids are turkey murderers, man. <laughs> they are so good at turkey hunting. You know, I've raised these these little good little turkey hunters and I'm super proud of that. And you know, it's every year, you know, there's if you turn around, there's pictures of their first turkeys. Uh my daughter was ten and my son was nine when they killed their first turkeys. My daughter did it with a bow at age ten. So that's pretty dang cool, right? Yep. So um yeah I'd like to get these little turkey slayers on some whitetails. I, I, I think that's definitely <clears throat> One of my resolutions. Now, that being said, um, it's going to take some practice. You know, it's going to take some time. Just like my journey with traditional archery, it's going to take time and practice and putting that effort into the uh, both my kids. So, um, like I said, you, you know, you're you've raised your kids and they've grown up and been active with MBH. My son's been, you know, to the rendezvous and had a good time shooting and loves 3d archery. My daughter's the best shot out of all three of us, <laughs> but, um, you know, she's a high school, she's a freshman. So there's, there's softball and basketball and thank God we're not dealing with boys yet with her, but I'm sure <laughs> eventually that crap's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I, I think for me, my resolutions are to, dive back into traditional archery and then uh, just spend more time doing outdoor pursuits with my kids. Uh, As far as my goals for MBH uh, or my resolutions for MBH go, um, 
of course, I mean, it could be, I could generically say, I want to grow the podcast and keep growing it and get, you know, go from the 200 downloads a month to the five, you know, get to, I'd like to get to the, like that 500 downloads a month, you know, just kind of grow, 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 right? That is my goal. But um, with, you know, growing the podcast, with that comes is converting those of you listening right now who are not members is my goal is to convert, um, you know, two members an episode or two P two listeners an episode into memberships. That's my goal. If we skyrocket past that freaking fantastic. If we don't, we don't, um, I'll, I'll consider that, you know, maybe a failure, but you know, for the number of people that are listening to this right now, we, the importance of becoming a member of MBH, I cannot stress enough. So, um, one of the ways we're going to do that with the podcast is, uh, in converting you is, uh, we're going to start having some fun. We're going to start playing a little game. <laughs> so and we're going to jump right. We're not going to take another commercial break. We're going to jump right into it right now. Kind Hope of, I don't have to be good at trivia or something. <laughs> oh, you the, here's the thing is no one has to be good at it, right? They just have to have fun doing it. So I'm sure you're familiar with Steven Ranella and the meat eater. Right, the Meat Eater TV show, all his books, all their podcasts. It's one of the biggest outdoors related podcasts. Um, Michigan guy, you know, everyone on, not everyone on the show, uh, you know, three of the five main people on that show, Michigan people. They all live in Montana or Idaho now, but they were Michigan people, born and raised. And um, one of the things they started doing on the Meat Eaters having a trivia. <laughs> Right aspect. Well, then that whole like meteor trivia thing just blew up for them, and that's almost just as popular as the regular meteor podcast. In fact, I enjoy the trivia podcast a little bit more. But that being said, we're going to steal their idea, but we're not creating a brand new podcast. We're just going to create a trivia segment to the podcast. And, and here's how this is going to work: every episode. Um, what we've decided to do is I'm going to um, read off two trivia questions that come from an outdoors-related area of, of, you know, conservation, hunting, fishing, camping, um, survival, foraging. It's, you know, it's a, it's a well-rounded. It's not all just bow hunting, right? Um, because us as bow hunters, we're all outdoorsmen. As much as we are as bow hunters, we're outdoorsmen, right? So, and then those questions are going to be on our website, which is michiganbowhunters.com. You know, just go to the podcast page. They'll be right down there. And then you fill out the answers to the two questions. Every episode, we're going to select one person at random that, that filled out the, um, the uh, answers, and we're going to award them a prize pack now here's the cool thing bob that you mentioned hope i don't have to be good at trivia you don't got to get these questions right people <laughs> <laughs> we don't you know i mean it's cool if you get them right we want to you know you just participate it, yeah it's 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 educational entertainment we want you to be entertained by these couple questions and um i don't want you to google the answer I just want you to write what you think the answer is. And if we draw you and you went over for 2, who cares? You're still going to win. But what are they going to win, Bob? Either a membership to MBH or some cool MBH merchandise. That's right. So if you're already a member, we're going to basically uh, hook you up with some MBH merchandise. And we'll get that sent out to you. And if you're not an MBH member currently, guess what? Now you are. 
we're going to give you a one-year membership just for filling out you know, and getting drawn randomly. And we're going to pick one winner per episode. So, you know, we do every other week we do. uh, uh, So it's, you know, 25, 26 weeks, however the year works out. Holidays and stuff are a little bit different. Sometimes we have special bonus episodes. So I'm not counting these people that we give a free membership to as part of my resolution, you know, converting, right? (laughs) Seems a little, but here's the thing. Here's the hope. And we're just going to be completely blunt and open about it. For those of you that win an MBH membership, you're going to get to see what Bob and I have been talking about. You're going to get to see what it means to be a member, what the benefits are, what um, what the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the fellowship. And then you're going to fully understand the impact that our organization has on all of our ways of life. And um, guess what? If you There are people that listen to this, believe it or not, that live out of the state or live. We have a couple of listeners out of the country. We have a district for you. We have the district one is everywhere outside of, isn't it district one? Yes. Yeah. District one is everywhere outside of, and we, we probably need a governor for that district. So guess what? No, we got one. Terry Williams. Terry. Oh, that's right. Terry Williams, governor of the world. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Terry. My bad brother. <laughs> I knew he was on the list. I just couldn't remember where. So anyway, this is the kind of idea. Now, where are these questions going to come from? So, uh, again, I'm going to steal right from Meat Eater, right? They do it the best. And I have on the desk right here, Meat Eater Trivia Board Game. It's literally, they've done all the work for me. This is <laughs> this is their board game. And um, it's basically Trivial Pursuit, but all hunting and fishing and camping and, you know, outdoor converse, uh, con, uh, conservation questions. So I'm literally just going to grab a card at random and, you know, that's going to be the two. There's two questions on each card. That's going to be the questions for that week, right? So if you already have the Mediator Trivia Board, right, game, you might have an advantage. But here's where the advantage doesn't matter. You don't got to get the questions right, people. You just got to go over to the website and answer the questions. It's that easy. And then, like I said, every week. So here's how, you know, Bob and I, we're going to quiz each other on a couple of these questions. We're going to pick cards at random just so you get a feel for the, the type of questions. And then I'm going to read one. That'll be the question of the week. That'll go on the, um, that'll go on the actual website. So I read the questions, you go on the website, you fill it out. The following, um, the following episode, I'll tell you what the answers were. And we'll tell you who won. So, and that's basically the way it goes. So, uh, okay. So, we're going to play a little bit of Meteor Trivia, Bob. Hi. And again, we don't have to get these right. This is just for fun. So, and again, um, some of these I have no clue on. Okay, I picked up a random card. So, uh, actually, we have a little guide here that tells us. uh, I had it where did it go i have a little guide that tells us like what the category oh yeah so this is the category of cooking okay and it says what southern state has a pot roast recipe named after it that features ranch dressing mix au jus mix and pepperoncinis you can answer it out loud i don't know what do you think what's your guess i don't have a guess because i don't know the answer I have a really educated guess, Bill, because I saw the back of the card. Oh, you did? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a real, that's a pretty darn good question. Okay, so what was it? 
Mississippi. Mississippi. But did you know it before you saw the card? Oh heck no. No, I didn't. I didn't know that one either. Okay, so I picked the one random card that you looked at, right? I looked at that one the other day. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty good. All right, read me something. Read me something. What do we got here? Okay. Uh, What's my category? There's the categories right there. Hunting. Okay. Now, now's the real test. What state east of the Mississippi River has the highest population of elk? All right. State east of the Mississippi River that has the highest population of elk. Ooh, so we got so so the way my brain works is okay, let me think of the states that have elk. So Michigan obviously, uh Kentucky, Pennsylvania. I'm going to say Pennsylvania. I'm going to say Kentucky. What is it? Kentucky. It's Kentucky. So here's a here's a good here's a good story about that. So uh, last week on the Meat Eater Trivia Show, they always the guy that hosts it always has like he goes, okay, well, fun fact and blah 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 talks about you know you know something about the question. Well, uh, that that fun fact is actually called flavor text. And that is from TV and trivia, you know, and Jeopardy and flavor. It just works out that it's meat eater and then flavor text. So I wrote into them and said, hey, you guys are missing opportunity. It's called flavor text. So they actually gave me a shout out a couple of weeks ago on the nationally broadcast. They're like, hey, Bill Hoffman from the, you know, from the Detroit shows told us that it's called flavor text. So here's the flavor text for that for Kentucky elk, right? Because of the Lacey Act, you can't buy wildlife, right? You can't say, oh, hey, uh, Alaska, sell us some cougars. You just can't do that. You can't, you know, trade wild or buy wildlife, but you can trade it, right? And Michigan and Kentucky have tra- made a trade before. And do you know the story? Mm-mm. Michigan and Kentucky traded elk for turkey. And, and so uh, when Kentucky was starting to uh, build... Um, build their uh, elk population back up. You know, this is back, I believe, late 70s, and Michigan wanted to um, bolster some of the turkey populations. We gave them some elk, and they gave us some turkey. So some of our eastern turkeys came from Kentucky. Well, the genetic bloodline, right? So you can trace some of their genetic blood. So that was just, hey, the state's got that. The state's got that. We trapped them, and and there was a trade made between us and Kentucky. Did you know that we made a trade with Canada, and we traded turkeys for moose? Yes, yes, absolutely. I I did know that. Um, Not sure who got the the better end of that one, but... (laughs) Right, pound for pound, I think... Uh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say so too. Okay, cool. So we'll do a couple more, and then uh, a couple more, and then we will get. We'll pick one at random that we'll make for the members this week. Okay. Um, so this one is called history, and it says conservationist John Chapman was better known by what name? John Chapman. Hmm. I have a guess. Me too. Okay. My guess is Johnny Appleseed. Because that's the only like, and I don't know if he's a conservationist, but that's the only like outdoorsy John. But what's yours? Oh, I, well, John Bridger? I don't know. Go ahead. Sorry. I was thinking off the lines of John. I was just trying to think of maybe an author or something that wrote under a pen name, like Ernest Hemingway or somebody. Okay. I, I don't, I don't know. Just. All right. So let's see. It was 
Oh, one for the good guys. It's Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> I did not know that. I, in, in the trivia world, that's called pulling it out of your rear. I, that was a good guess for me. That was a good guess. I told you early on I wasn't going to be good at this game. Which doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you, you don't... Uh, if you I did sc- get Kentucky, though. Yeah, you did get Kentucky. If you scroll down on the website, michiganbowhunters.com slash podcast, there's the two questions for this week. A good link for that is whether you're listening on your phone or your computer, um, Spotify, iTunes, uh, uh, all the, you know, the very, you know, iHeartRadio, all... We're available on just about every listening platform. Scroll down. I've put a link, a trivia great link. Question. Okay. Oh, you got a great question? All right. Is this for, for, yep. for the members? Yep. Okay. So Bob picked out this card for the members. Okay. So our category for uh, question one is wildlife. So here is the category for uh, question one. So again, this is the question that will be on our website. Well, there'll be two questions, but this is the first one. What game animal has an appendix? An appendix, like are you talking about like the uh, the body part appendix? Right. Okay, so what game animal has an appendix? Now this is multiple choice: white tail, rabbit, or feral hog. What game animal has an appendix? White tail, rabbit, or feral hog? So. That is question number one on our website right now, and you get a you got a thirty three percent chance of, of getting it right. So on each one of these cards, there's two questions. So the second question, we're not going to tell you the answer right now. You got to go to the website. You'll get the answer to this one next week. So uh, the second question on this card that we picked at random is a conservation question. All right, here's the question: What state stocked its backcountry with beavers? By dropping them from airplanes in the 1940s. What state stocked its back country with beavers by dropping them from airplanes in the 1940s? So you've got the first question. You've got a one out of three chance. On the second question, you've got a one out of 50 because <laughs> it's a U.S. state. Uh, I don't know the answer. I can guess, but we're not going to guess. While we're recording, Bob and I will tell each other our guesses. Uh, you know, once we end the recording. But those are the questions. So again, here's what's at stake. I want you to scroll down on the listening device you're using right now. Click the link that says MBH, uh, I'll call it MBH Trivia. We'll just call it that, MBH Trivia. It's going to take you to the podcast page on our website. There's a form there. You'll fill out question number one and question number two. Click submit. And then one of you, no matter if you get it right or not, on the next episode will be announced as the winner. And again, the winner is going to get a MBH prize pack if they're already a member, or you're going to get a free one-year membership, which is a $25 value. So, um, Bob, anything else that we you know wanted to catch up on or, or go over as we wrap up this uh, edition of the MBH podcast? Just to stress again, get involved. Excellent. You know, um, we all have an opportunity to give back to what's been so freely given to us, and um, give give back to bow hunting, and you know, join MBH and get involved. Yep. In have ev- a voice. In every episode of the MBH News, we give thanks to our new members and our renewing members by publishing their names, and um, 
we don't do this every podcast because the news comes out at different times than the podcast. But in the newest MBH news, I'd like to thank our new members. Uh, it's it's a blessing that I don't thank our renewing members because there's so many of them. <laughs> Take a whole segment. But our new members, I always try to thank. And again, uh, public service announcement. If I if I hammer your name, I apologize, <laughs> especially with you being new. And I see a couple on this list already. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. So Matt Steyer, Michael Cleveland, Kevin Harpenich, Adam Little, Kenton Myers, Caleb Miller, Aaron Andritus, Renee Weishar, Autumn Pratt, Grant Conger, Alexander Lessick, Kevin Defoe, and Jeremy Teddy. Some of those names I do recognize, uh, quite a few of them, but I'm glad to have them as new members. Some of those names, I have no idea if I said them correctly, I would bet against it. Uh, but thank you uh, from the MBH web guy for becoming a new member. I'm sure Bob agrees. Thanks to our new members. Thank you very much for supporting MBH. That's great. Yes. And um, again, uh, if you are interested in becoming a member or learning more about it, go to the website, michiganbowhunters.com. I end this show the same way every time I say, get outdoors. It's a wild place to be. Head on over to the website. Fill out those trivia questions, and let's get some winners on the board. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Michigan Bowhunters podcast. Please make sure to visit our website at www.michiganbowhunters.com to learn about becoming a member of the Michigan Bowhunters Association. Bowhunters.